0: If you guys have been around for a few weeks, you know that our church is in the middle of 21 days of prayer which is just 21 days, where we're focused on praying a little bit more than we typically do. Not that we don't normally pray, you understand, but it's just like a focus, an emphasis on making sure that we're praying regularly. Now, the interesting thing is, I've had lots of conversations with people about prayer because we're talking about prayer. This whole month on Sundays, we're meeting for early morning prayer on Wednesdays down in Evanston. Um, so I've had lots of conversations with people regarding their experiences around prayer. People have shared with me their good experiences in prayer, and they've shared with me their bad experiences in prayer. One of the things that I've consistently heard is that people, lots and lots of people, maybe even you, struggle at the thought of praying and specifically praying out loud. Anybody, you're like, oh yeah, no, that's, I'm not praying out loud. That's too much for me. Yeah, I had a conversation with a lady just last week, and she said to me, my biggest fear when I come to church is that I'm going to be put in a position where somebody asks me to pray out loud in front of a group, all right? So this is like something that I've heard consistently over the last few weeks. Now, it it occurred to me as I was thinking through this, and I recognized that I was hearing this statement quite a bit, that whether you're a religious person or a non-religious person, that the fear of public speaking is usually ranked as the number one fear. You guys know that, right? When people list out the the things they're most afraid of in life, number one is almost always speaking in front of other people. Number two is snakes, and number three is dying, okay? So that's the list, fear of speaking in front of people, fear of snakes, and fear of dying. And so I started thinking, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense that people would be afraid to pray in front of somebody else because prayer is just a very vulnerable form of public speaking, isn't it? Then my mind went to a really warped place and I was like, can you imagine if we combined all three of the top fears and we had you pray in front of a room of deadly snakes? That'd be terrifying. You'd be so scared we combine all three of them. You'd freak out. Those three things people struggle with. And when it comes to prayer, people often say the idea of praying in front of somebody else is the scariest of all. So, When I was thinking through this, I was like, I wonder how prevalent this actually is. Cause like, you know, I've been praying in front of people for 20 plus years now. And so it doesn't really bother me that much anymore. But I do remember when it was scary. And so I decided that I would do what every good pastor does when he needs to research somebody. I Googled it. And so I Googled fear of praying. And when I Googled fear of praying, Google helpfully auto-filled some suggestions for me. And the number one suggestion was fear of praying mantis. I was not ready for that, you guys. That one blew me away sitting in my office. I'm like, fear of praying mantis? I don't know. That seems like a real fear though. Have you ever seen Godzilla fight that giant praying mantis in the movies? That's scary. That's something you should be afraid of. I could understand a fear of praying mantis. But yeah. But, you know, you look through the rest of the auto suggestions that Google makes there. And number two and number three on the list are praying out loud, fear of praying out loud, and a fear of praying in public. So this is something that people in our world worry about so much. And they've Googled it so often that Google actually has an autofill suggestion, for websites, helpful tips and tactics and tricks for praying in front of other people. Now, some of you are here this morning and you're like, ugh, are you serious right now? Forget praying out loud. I'm still confused and scared at the thought of praying by myself. Forget this out loud stuff. I really struggle just doing it on my own, in my head when nobody else at all is around. Whether you struggle with praying out loud or whether it's brand new and you're trying to figure out how to do it on your own, typically our fear that surrounds prayer, our anxiety when it comes to the idea of praying, it usually comes down to a fear that we don't know what to say. Isn't that ultimately what it is? Like we're just afraid that we're gonna say the wrong thing in our prayer. We're going to ruin the prayer, or we're going to embarrass ourselves. I told you last week some embarrassing stories of my prayer times. Sometimes we're accidentally cursed when I was praying, and it was like, you know, well, I ruined that prayer, you know? Maybe you experience that same sort of anxiety where you're just like, I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing here. And so this morning, I want to give you a little bit of help. I want to give you some some thoughts behind prayer, maybe some very basic introductory ways and uh, things that you can say when you're praying so that you don't feel anxious and fearful about praying by yourself or maybe even in the future praying in front of somebody else. So we're on week two of this series that we've creatively named Prayer because that's what we're talking about. We're just talking about prayer. It's one of the most foundational things of being a Christian following after Jesus. And even if you're not a Jesus person, I would venture to guess that you have prayed at various points in your life. Maybe life has gone sideways and things have gotten really scary and hectic. And you're like, God, I don't even think you're real. But if you are by chance, then would you help me out in this situation? And so whether you're religious or not religious, I want to help you figure out a way to pray and to feel more comfortable when you do it. Now, I'm going to tell you, up front I'm gonna talk about prayer today. I'm gonna explain it like we are all five years old, okay? I'm just gonna do my best to break it down to its most basic level so that any of us can jump in. And we might realize that prayer is not half as scary as we make it out to be. Prayer can actually be very, very wonderful, all right? So I hope by the end of the message this morning, you'll feel comfortable praying by yourself. Perhaps you'll be comfortable praying in front of other people. And that fear you have, that number one fear of speaking or praying in front of other people, you can take that off the list and replace it with the fear of praying mantises. You know, that's more rational. Put it up there, all right? Here we go. We're gonna read Luke chapter number 11. And the disciples are following after Jesus in this one moment in his life. And they say something really interesting to him. They go to Jesus and the Bible says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. I don't know if he had a British accent, but in my mind, he probably did. I know I didn't just do a British accent because I can't do a British accent, but in my mind, he probably said it that way. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, I want to pause right here before we get too far into this passage, because this verse is very encouraging if you stop and think about it. This verse is very, very encouraging because at this point, the disciples had been following Jesus for two straight years. They had heard him teach on dozens of occasions. They had heard him pray on hundreds of occasions. They had seen him work miracle after miracle after miracle, and still, the Bible says they needed help when it came to prayer. Still, they had to go to Jesus and say, now, Lord, I know we've been at this a while, but I'm still a little unclear here. Please teach us how to pray. Can I just remind you that nobody is born knowing how to pray? Nobody's born with that. It's not like a skill that some people just come out of the womb with. No, it is something that every single one of us have to learn over time. So don't beat yourself up. If your prayers are simple or if they're halting or if you feel like they're really awkward, whether they're private prayers or they're public prayers, it doesn't really matter. Guys, the prayer struggle is real. The disciples struggled with prayer and they followed Jesus for years and years and years. Nobody's born knowing how to pray, but it is something that absolutely anybody can get much more comfortable doing. Now, these words of the disciples, Lord, teach us how to pray. They also confront a myth that many people in our world believe, and and maybe you believe this same myth as well. The idea that I can't follow Jesus until I have it all figured out, until I get the answers I need, until I know the right way to do all of the different things that I'm supposed to do, I can't follow Jesus until I get it all figured out. Wrong That's not true, that's a lie. And I hope you'll recognize that it is 100% true. For number one, you're never gonna have it all figured out when it comes to following Jesus. There's always something new to learn, okay? Number two, for much of this stuff, much of the, the ways of following Jesus, you cannot learn them ahead of time. You only learn them as you follow in the steps of Jesus. They only make sense when you're walking in his ways and probably screwing it up along the journey, and that's totally okay. You can't wait until you get it all figured out and then decide to make a decision. You'll never get it figured out until you decide to make a decision. Maybe I can help you to understand it a little bit like this. Any board game fans in the house? You guys like to play board games? All right, a few of you nerds, cool. Um, I'm one of you, all right? Yes, so have you ever been trying to play a board game and the person whose game it is is trying to explain it on the front end and they're giving you this long list of instructions and rules and after about 15 minutes, your head is swimming and you're like, look, 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 look. Let's just start the game and I'll figure it out as we go. I'll learn as I need to know the rules. That's exactly what following Jesus is like. It is exactly like that. I can't sit here for a decade and tell you all the rules and expect you to memorize them and understand them and then go put them into practice. Go follow Jesus today and it's okay if you get it wrong. He loves you and accepts you and welcomes you anyway. This is precisely what the disciples did. This is exactly what Christians for thousands of years have been doing, being willing to follow after Jesus before they have the answers, before they have it all figured out. Listen, if you've been coming to Connect for a long time and you sit in a seat and you're observing and you say, I feel like an outsider because I still have all these doubts and fears and questions. I just had a very nice conversation with a lady out in the lobby this morning. And she said, I come all the time, but I still have doubts and questions and fears. What do I do? Keep going. That's what you do. You keep going. You keep following after Jesus. Jesus is never going to push you away because you don't have the right answers or because you say the wrong words or you do the wrong thing at the wrong time. I mentioned earlier to you, that is religion. Religion says you've got to get it right before you can be accepted. But following after Jesus means we are accepted before we ever get it right. So when the disciples say, Lord, teach us how to pray, that should give you a ah, sense of relief because you don't have to have it all figured out before you start following him. So they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And in verse two, Jesus responds and he says, this is how you should pray. I don't know if Jesus had a British accent, so I won't try. This is how you should pray. Now, again, before we get into his prayer, I want to point out, Jesus does not get mad at the disciples when they ask this question. Do you notice that? He's not like, seriously, you guys, we've been doing this for two years. This is basic stuff, man. You should know this by now. He doesn't do that. Instead, the disciples say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he says, okay, this is how you should pray. So in verse three, we pick up this very famous prayer. Many of you have heard it. You've recited it hundreds of times, perhaps in your life. Even if you don't know anything about prayer, you probably are familiar with this prayer. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And do not let us give in to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. is the Lord's prayer, right? That's what we call it, the Lord's Prayer. If you grew up Catholic or Anglican or Orthodox, you probably call it the Our Father. You've repeated it more times than you could possibly count. You probably memorized it in the King James Version like I did, where you're like, Our Father who art in heaven, right? That whole spiel. Yeah, that's what we're talking about here. When the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray, he doesn't give them a hard time because they don't already know. He says, let me help. And he says, this then is how you should pray. Even if you're not a religious person, these words are very helpful. They can help you begin a dialogue, a conversation with God and help you to connect with God, even if you're not even totally sure that he exists yet. These are probably the most important words that have ever been spoken on the subject of prayer. But here's a weird fact. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. And then he recites this long, our father prayer. And after this episode happens, okay, this happened early in the New Testament. We've got almost all the New Testament to go. And throughout the rest of the Bible, we have dozens and dozens of prayers that people speak that are written down for us. And do you know that there is not one instance throughout the rest of the New Testament where people recite the Our Father prayer? Not a single one, which is interesting if you think about it. Even Jesus himself didn't speak these words again, or at least as far as we know, it wasn't recorded for us. So wait a sec, that seems odd, doesn't it? Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. And I just told you, these are the most important words that have ever been spoken on the subject of prayer. And yet- Jesus never said them again, as far as we know. The disciples didn't pray this prayer every single time they got together. You haven't heard this prayer verbatim at Connect. So what's going on? What are we supposed to make out of this particular passage, this prayer here? It all comes down to one little word in verse number two. You probably didn't pay any attention to it, but it's really, really important. When Jesus responds to the disciples, he says to them, this is... How you should pray. Do you see that? This is how you should pray. Jesus doesn't say, All right, boys, this is what you should pray from now on. Stop making up your own words here. That ain't working out for you. Just memorize this prayer and start repeating it, and everything will be cool. He doesn't say, This is what you should pray. Jesus says, this is how you should pray. So listen, you can repeat these words as a prayer to God. I've done that before. I was actually in a church one time and I had a microphone and they asked me to close in prayer. And so I was like, oh, cool. I'm gonna impress them with my prayers. And so I did something that you normally don't hear in Baptist churches. I got up there and I said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On and on and on and on. And afterwards, somebody came up to me and they were like, hey, good job, but that prayer was too Catholic, We don't do that sort of thing here. Like, what are you talking about, man? Those are Jesus' words. He said we could pray this. It's okay if you pray the Our Father prayer. It's okay. But Jesus didn't give us these verses as an empty script that we would memorize and rattle off, you know, without paying any attention to them at all. Instead, the Lord's prayer tells us what our prayers need to include. Not what we should say, but what types of things that you and I should be praying about. So this morning, I mean, look, the Lord's Prayer has been dissected hundreds of different ways. Some of them are quite complex, but I told you I'm gonna explain this like we're all five years old. I'm gonna give you like the kindergarten level of prayer and that's okay because that's actually what I need, all right? And so I'm not gonna make this real complicated. In fact, I'm just gonna give you three things that every healthy prayer should include. Every healthy prayer life should have as a part of it. And this is taken from the Lord's Prayer here in this passage. It's taken from the pattern that we see repeated throughout all those other prayers that we see in the New Testament. This is so simple, but it's so powerful. And some of you have been afraid to start prayer because you're worried about what you're gonna say and do I have the right words memorized? And God's like, hey, let me give you a simple place to start. If you would just start to pray and use these three phrases, your relationship with conversing with God would completely change. Very simple. Thank you, I'm sorry, and please. That's it. That's all Your prayers need to include, day in and day out. You could go 30, 40 years following Jesus. and if you said these three phrases and for a few minutes each day, you would be so mature in your relationship with God. Three very simple phrases. Now you say, "Well, wait a sec. Um, what about candles? Like maybe I'm supposed to light a candle. I heard that one time when I was a kid. And, you know, shouldn't I bring an offering? Like maybe in your religion, in order to pray, you had to bring something, a gift or a sacrifice. What about posture? Do I need to be on my knees? Do I have to bow my head, close my eyes? Do I need to fold my hands like this, like the guy's doing here in the slide? Like, what about all of that stuff? And I wanna, I wanna point out that Jesus never mentions any of that in his teaching. The disciples say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he doesn't say, okay, you need to go buy these particular types of candles and you need to get these types of beads. And he doesn't say, you better bring an offering. You better sacrifice a chicken if you want God to hear your prayers. He doesn't say, you need to get into a prayer closet on a prayer bench and you need to bow forward and all that. He doesn't say any of that. He says, if you wanna know how to pray, you need to include these simple phrases. Thank you, I'm sorry, and please. That's it, that's all it comes down to. So let's talk about those for just a couple minutes. Please is the easy one to understand. We'll work backwards through them. Uh, Please is the easy one. This is what we typically go to when we pray. We're like, please, God, I need this. Please, God, can you come through and grant me that? Please, that's an easy one. It actually reminded me of last week's verse. Remember Philippians chapter number four, verse six. The scripture says, tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. That's it. That's the sum total of prayer right? And so it's okay to ask God for things in prayer. In this 21 days, I've had people that have come to me and they've said, hey, listen, I'm concerned. I'm afraid that when I pray, I shouldn't be asking God for things. Because, you know, prayer is all about glorifying God and it's all about following the right format. And I don't want to be selfish in my prayers. Do you realize that Jesus invites you and even goes beyond that, the Bible commands you to make your requests known to God. It is okay to say please to God, to ask him for something. It can be a physical, tangible thing. It could be a relational need in your life. It could be about wisdom. It could be about your future. It could be about what girl you're supposed to marry because you got four options and you're not sure which one to choose. It is okay. Some of you, I guess. Um, it is okay to say please to God. He's not like, man, you sure asked me for a lot. He wants to hear what's on your heart. Now, I will say your prayers should not only be please. If you only say please, your prayers are one-dimensional. And hmm, let me step on your toes a little bit. They're selfish. And selfish prayer is not really very helpful. So when you say please, don't just say please for your own sake. Also say please for the sake of people around you. Also, pray. you should be praying please or praying for the needs of other people at least as much as you're praying for your own please. It's okay to say please and it's okay to say please on behalf of other people. Do you understand? This is why the scripture says here, when Jesus tells us how to pray, he says, give us our food the food that we need. Do you see that it's plural and not singular? It's not me and my needs. God, you're the magic genie and you're gonna grant my three wishes today. No, it is an opportunity for us to intercede on behalf of other people and to go to God and say, God, you're the source of every good gift in my life and I'm not hesitant and I'm not afraid to ask you for something that I would like. Please is okay. Your prayer should also include, I'm sorry the phrase, I'm sorry. You should, I should regularly confess mistakes and sins. Why? Not because God won't forgive you if you don't confess them. You know, the Bible teaches that God has already forgiven all of our mistakes, past, present, and future He never says, I'm going to forgive the sins that you ask for forgiveness for. Because guess what? I'm not even half aware of how often I sin. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm committing sins that I don't even know about. So how can I ask forgiveness for every specific sin that I do? God has already granted us that forgiveness. But when we pray and say, I'm sorry, When you and I own our mistakes, we acknowledge our screw-ups day in and day out. Do you know what it does? It drives us to depend on God. It reminds us that we need his grace every single day. Listen, one of the reasons that Christians are not taken seriously in our world is because we act like we don't sin. And you and I know that's bull. We know that's not true. I'm sinful, you're sinful. The whole point of Christianity is that we're all sinful and God still loves us anyway. And so we have got to start acknowledging the things that we're doing wrong, acknowledging the ways that we're treating our spouse, acknowledging the thoughts that we hope nobody ever finds out about, acknowledging all ways in which we keep, piling on more sin in our life because God will give us more grace every single day. Listen, sin can either push you further away from God. Believe it or not, sin can actually draw you closer to God. And usually the difference is confession. If you refuse to own up to your shortcomings, mistakes, and sins, your sin will begin to build a wall. But if you and I will acknowledge, God, I did this today and dang it, I lost my temper here. And man, you know how scared I am about that. What happens is the sin we commit and our confession of it, it actually draws us closer in to God. This is why Jesus tells us to pray, God, forgive us our sins. Last thing that your prayer should include is, is a thank you, a thank you to God. This is so critically important and it's the one that you and I almost always leave out. We very rarely say thank you to God when he answers our prayers, which is ironic because we know how important saying thank you actually is. When somebody gives your kids something, what do you say to them every single time? You say to your kid, what do you say? Thank you. You know how important it is that your kids say thank you when somebody gives them something. And yet you and I both, we so often fail to say thank you to God. God, please, 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 please help me, help me, help me. He does, and then we forget all about him. We never return and say thank you. Listen, who do you think God is going to continue to bless and answer prayers for? The person who gets what they need and then forgets all about God and goes about their way, or the person who returns to say, God, thank you for answering that prayer for me? Of course, the one who says thank you. And so it is critically important that if you're ever going to pray please, you also pray thank you. You make that a regular component of your prayer life. One person said, um, they asked this question, what would your life look like if all you had today was what you thanked God for yesterday? What would your life look like if all you had today were the things that you thanked God for yesterday? I don't like that question, let's move on. Hey, not only is it important to thank God for the things that he's given you, the things that he's done, but it's also important when you're thanking God that you just thank him for who he is. You can thank God for who he is, his character and his nature. Do you understand? The God we worship is a good father. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy, it says this beautiful sentence about God. It says that he is the king eternal, Immortal, invisible, the only wise God. The Bible gives us this picture of a God who is bigger than our brains can comprehend, who created the entire universe, who even if you think, I kind of understand who God is, you haven't even begun to scratch the surface of his power or his nature. He is that big and transcendent. And the Bible tells us that God is imminent, He's as close as a whisper. He's not far off out in the galaxy watching all your screw-ups and mistakes. He is right there with you. Do you know the promise that Jesus made, the last promise he ever made to his disciples? He said, I will be with you always. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. I will never forget you. I will never write you off. There is nothing you can do that will make me love you less. There's nothing you can do that will make me love you more. That's worth saying thank you over. So we thank God, not just for what he does. That's a childish relationship with God. We also take a step further and we thank him for who he is. We thank God both for his gifts and for his glory. So those three things, that's what your prayer life should include. Thank you, I'm sorry, and please. If you have no idea what to say, start there. That's enough to get you started. If you're trying to teach your kids and grandkids how to pray, then just give them those three phrases. Just say, say, thank you, say, I'm sorry, and say, please. Now, Jesus continues this teaching on prayer in a couple more verses here, and he uses a couple of illustrations that are really important, but they might be a bit confusing. So let me, let me read to you what Jesus says here in Luke chapter number 11, next set of verses. He says, then teaching the disciples more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose one of you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread okay, that's weird. If you came to my house at midnight and rang my doorbell and said, can I have three loaves of bread? I would say to you, I'm on keto. I don't have any bread, you guys. <laughs> and then I would say, stop bothering me at midnight. Okay. So in, in the ancient Middle East, it was expected that if a visitor came to your house, you would feed them. In fact, it would be very, very inappropriate to not give them something to eat. And so suppose you have a friend, uh, you go to a house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, you say to that person, hey, another friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose this neighbor calls out from his bedroom and he says, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. Sorry, but I can't help you, which is exactly what I would tell you if you rang my doorbell at midnight. Jesus says though, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep on knocking long enough, he'll get up and he'll give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. That's a weird thing for Jesus to say. That is so bizarre. Because I've told you before in every one of these stories that Jesus tells, one person is supposed to represent you and one person is supposed to represent God. And the God character in this story seems like an annoying meanie, doesn't he? He's like, No, stop bothering me. I'm not answering your prayer request. Leave me alone. And according to Jesus, the only way that you're going to get God to answer your prayer request is to bug him to death? That doesn't seem right, does it? And no, that's not right. If you only read these verses, you're not going to understand the point that Jesus is trying to make here about prayer. You have to read the next section of verses where Jesus tells another story and then he ties it all together. This is something that we call context, you have to read, like if you see a particular verse, you need to read the verses before that deal with the same subject and the verses after that continue to deal with the same subject. So you can understand the point that Jesus is trying to make. If you only read Luke eleven five five through eight, you will get the wrong idea about God. But you can go on and you can read verses 11 through 13. And this is what Jesus says. He makes another illustration. He says, you fathers, if your children ask for bread, do you give them a stone? If they ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give his spirit to those who ask? In this second illustration, Jesus says a good parent would never play a trick on his child. A good parent would never give them something harmful when all they asked for was a basic need to be met. This is a good dad that we're talking about here. Any This Is Us fans in the house? You guys watch that show, This Is Us? Yeah, a few of you guys do. Imagine Jack Pearson, like the dad of the family. He's always doing the right thing, always looking out. This is the sort of dad we're talking about here. The one who will always give good gifts to his children. Now listen, the phrase that Jesus makes here in verse 13 is so critical to understand his teaching on prayer. We've got it highlighted here on the next slide. He says, imagine a neighbor who's a jerk Imagine a father who gives good gifts. And then he says this, how much more will your heavenly father give to those who ask him? So get this. God is not like a selfish neighbor who will only help you out if you bug the hell out of him. That is not God. God is infinitely better than that. And God is not like a good dad, a good earthly father who likes to shower his children with gifts. God is actually infinitely better than that. God wants to hear your prayers. Listen, the point that Jesus is making here is that you are wondering if you're bugging God with all of your prayers and requests. And you're so stressed over whether you're saying the prayers right. And God is just happy to hear your voice. He's just happy to hear your voice. The irony is, is that you are criticizing your prayers, but God is cheering your prayers. Those little baby steps those weird prayers where you probably do say the wrong thing and it's awkward and halting and you hope nobody ever hears them. God is shedding tears. He's like, finally, my daughter's talking to me again. Finally, my son has called. You're criticizing your prayers, but God is cheering your prayers. Listen, speaking to God the wrong way is better than not speaking to God at all. It really is. Okay, last section of verses and I'm done. Jesus says, this is how he ties it all together. He says, so I tell you, keep on asking. And you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who truly seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he doesn't give them a hard time. He gives them a simple strategy. Because in the end, guys, all it takes to be more comfortable in prayer is a plan and practice. That's it. That's all it takes for you to develop a robust, healthy, helpful prayer life. A plan which Jesus gave you, thank you, please, and I'm sorry, and a little bit of practice. If you would just put that into practice, all of a sudden, you would experience prayer in a way that you never thought was possible. So here's how we're gonna close the service. I'm gonna lead you in a bit of a directed prayer. So I'll invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. You don't have to if you don't want to because Jesus didn't tell you you had to, but if you want to, so it's not weird. In your own heart, you don't have to say this out loud, but I wanna give you just a brief moment where you can say thank you to God. Thank him maybe for something he's done specifically for you or thank him for his nature and who he is. I'm gonna give you just about five or seven seconds of silence and I'm gonna invite you to just silently say a short prayer of thanks to God. And I wanna give you the opportunity to say I'm sorry to God because we all need to. I've got things I need to confess. You've got things you need to confess. Let's not play games. Let's just take a moment and say, I'm sorry. There may be something specific that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind or it may be just in general. Hey God, uh, there are probably things that I need to do a little bit better. I want to give you a moment to say, I'm sorry. And let's take a sec and let's say, please, make your requests known to God. Say please for whatever needs you have in your life or the need that somebody else has in their life. Take a moment, and say please. In those few short seconds, do you realize you fulfilled the Lord's prayer? You didn't have to memorize it. You didn't have to recite it verbatim, but you're doing what God has called you to do. That is to have a simple conversation in which you say, thank you, God. I'm sorry, God, please, God. It's all prayer even is.